welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Hello and welcome to Proper Mental Podcast episode 168 and my guest this week is Jess Greenfield who is a multi-instrumentalist and a singer with the band Wonder 45 and also with Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds and in this episode I chat to Jess about singing, about the music industry and about balancing being a mother and a touring musician and how her and her family navigate that and we also chat about Jess's experiences with postnatal mental health issues and the impact that that had on her family and how she got through it. We chat about the vulnerability of singing, about parental anxiety, about the loss of identity that comes with becoming a parent and we talk about things like asking for help and therapy and getting better and all that important stuff too. And as you can imagine there's loads of music chat in this one. This is kind of like the perfect episode for me really because you may or may not know from listening to the show that a lot of my mental health problems kind of started around about the time I became a dad and parenting has a a big role in my story. So that's always quite easy for me really to chat to guests about and there's always a lot of crossover and I'm also a massive music geek you can see that in previous episodes I've had a lot of musicians on I'm probably as much of a frustrated music journalist as I am a mental health podcaster to be honest and it was awesome for me to chat to Jess about her band and also about her work with Noel Gallagher and how that came to be and what it's like to play stadiums and Glastonbury Festival and all those sort of massive gigs that come with being part of one of the biggest bands in the world. Jess was really cool to chat to, so cool in fact she's let me use some of her music as part of this episode. So you're going to be hearing that in a bit. But yeah, she was great to chat to and we had a really wonderful conversation. You might notice some unusual background noise in this episode. We actually recorded earlier in the year, you know, when there was snow and it was freezing cold and Jess was originally set up somewhere else and we had some sound problems. It didn't really work and she was good enough to move inside to be near the Wi-Fi router, which of course made it a little bit impromptu. So she had the laptop balanced on her lap and she was wearing a big shiny coat. And you can hear that sometimes in the episode. You can kind of hear the laptop sliding around. You can hear her coat rustling. It doesn't affect the episode. If you've been listening for a while, you know I'm not precious about stuff like that. I always say you can't edit life, right? And I don't want to have conversations about mental health and then polish them up and cut bits out and make it sound all lovely because that is just not the experience of being mentally ill. And I want you to hear these conversations exactly as I do, exactly as I have them. And it's important to me that they sound real and this one really does. So yeah, just a little heads up on that. And I suppose the other thing you need to know is when I finally stop talking, you're going to hear a song called Cry by Jess's band, Wonder 45. As we recorded this, that was the current single. And I think as this episode comes out more recently, the single is Make It Happen. And I do believe there's an album coming later in the year. But if you want to keep up to date with all that sort of stuff, all the socials, Jess's website, it's all in the episode notes. The version of the cry that I've used is from a live studio session. And there's the link to the YouTube in the episode notes as well. If you like the song, go and give it a watch. It's got so much emotional punch to it when you can see Jess singing it live in the studio with the band. It's a wonderful piece of music. Definitely worth going to check out. Other things you can check out. Why don't you go and have a look at the Patreon page and you can sign up to be a proper mentalist. It's only £3 a month. 
You can watch this conversation. You can watch loads of conversations that aren't out yet. You can watch loads of conversations that aren't available anywhere else. That's kind of what I do to sweeten the deal. That's what you get for your free quids. But really what your free quid does is just allow me to keep this podcast going. It keeps it independent. It keeps it ad-free. I get offered stuff all the time. And to be honest with you, most of it is pretty rubbish or certainly stuff that I'm not particularly aligned to. Recently, I got approached by a well-known supplement brand that sponsor a lot of podcasts. And I thought, well, you know, maybe that will work. I'm not particularly desperate to get paid for proper mental, but it would be nice to just cover my costs, which is what I'm trying to do with the Patreon. So I thought, well, that might work. It's a healthy supplement brand. They seem pretty ethical and it's about health and nutrition and all that stuff. So it kind of aligns. This could work. And they sent me some stuff and I tried it and it was fine. And then I went on the website and I realized that it was like £70 a month or something ridiculous to be able to order this stuff in. I'm a working class lad. I don't have £70 a month. I can't come on here and try and sell you stuff that I can't afford to buy that I'm only taking because someone is sending to me, right? So basically, yeah, for your three quid a month, I don't have to get involved in all that sort of stuff. It just covers my end and it keeps the podcast ticking over. And hopefully the episodes get out there, they reach the right people and they make a bit of difference. Anyway, enough from me. That was a rambly one, wasn't it? This is episode 168 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Jess Greenfield and you are about to hear Cry by Wonder45 recorded live in the studio and it'll go straight into the episode from there. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. Cherished, never thought I'd be alone. Nobody else could have seen it. Turn my head and you were gone. Time and again, I carry on with an ache in my head. But you, oh, with a smile on your face, you play cool.
Okay. So this is the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest this week is Jess Greenfield. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, mate, thank you for joining me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's um, a little surreal, actually, because I've just been, I've been in recent weeks, really enjoying the Wonder 45 single, the new one, mate. Cry. Oh, brilliant. Like, yeah, oh, good. It's so sick, yeah. And it seems oh. like that's, um, that's, there's been some momentum around that, eh? Like, I think I heard it it's... on the radio. Yeah, it's been, it's actually been really, uh, we were really shocked by it. Um, we wrote it, recorded it quite a few years ago, actually. So oh, really? when we put it, yeah. So when we put it out, um, we were kind of, we just wanted people to hear it because we loved it so much. But because of COVID, we thought there's no point putting it out now. Um, and because it's got that retro sound, we didn't think it would age. Mm. So, um, so yeah, when we released it, we didn't, we didn't know we'd get any radio play, let alone the first play was I think the Zoe Ball Breakfast Show. So that oh, was mad. Man. Yeah, now you're talking. Um, yeah, she's been really amazing. And then Craig Charles, Keris Matthews, we've had loads of plays. So um, yeah, it's been it's been really it's been really mad. We're just really proud of it. Oh mate, yeah, that's it. Anything yeah. on um, Craig Charles, man, that's a good show. Eh? You play some great Ex tunes exactly. on there. So that's, that's, yeah, the sort of, exactly. that's the sort of thing you want. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Was <laughs> yeah. there, um, like, what I'm really interested in like, in like singing and was there for yourself was there like a moment that you realized like oh shit I can sing or was it just something that you thought you could you know um I think I was always musical I was brought up in a musical family um so it was always around but there was a pivotal moment when we were on a family holiday and my dad's a guitarist and he was playing something and he said oh Jess why don't you do you know this song? Why don't you join in or something? I can't remember fully exactly what happened, but I remember singing and I remember it didn't seem it sound. Everyone was was pleasantly surprised and they said, wow, Jess, that's amazing. And I, I didn't feel like I'd learnt or taught myself to sing in that way. It just came out. Yeah. So from that moment, I felt like I discovered some kind of um, like a superpower. Yeah, yeah. And when I went back to school, I, they had a school concert. And so every year people would audition to do the school concert. So I auditioned for that. And then every year from 15 till I left school at 18, I'd do the school concert. And then it was, it felt so natural to me to do it. So I kind of felt like that set me up for the desire to want to pursue performing in front of people. Yeah. So... And and in particular, I loved doing lead vocals. I know I do backing vocals um, sometimes, but I love also doing lead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the oh. moment I think when yeah, I was fifteen. Sure. Oh wow! Yeah. Is I was um I was watching the um the live recording of Cry on on YouTube, you know, and I was thinking about your vocal in that, and there's so there's um there's not many opportunities right for us modern humans to really like let stuff out just like step into you know just sort of just open and it and it seems with singing there's a real vulnerability to having to really just open up and um is it quite cathartic just being able to just you know yes do you know what it really is and i think particularly soul music it really has that ability to probably because of the the context that you're singing about and the lyrics and the and I guess with that particular song, because I wrote the lyrics and I wrote the melody, I kind of knew, I sort of knew that that would let stuff out of me 
which maybe sounds a bit weird, but just any song that has a, a really beautiful lyric or a meaningful lyric, if you combine that with the power of singing, it definitely gets stuff out of you. And if I've had a bad day, if I do a gig in the evening or if I have to do some recording at home or something, it definitely lets stuff out. You're right. Yeah, it just definitely a big, does. big shift. And that, that's really rare. Yeah, you know? yeah. We're gonna yeah, yeah. we're gonna talk a bit about parenting today, right? And you see kids do it all the time, just like screaming and letting it out. And then like as a as grown ups, you don't really have that opportunity, you know. And I think it's why you know some blokes like going to the football. You get these blokes, don't they? And if you say to yes. them, oh, "Let's sing," they'd never sing, but they can go to a football match and they can do it where yeah. it's acceptable to belt something out <laughs> yes. at the top of their lungs. That's right? true. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah, there's a lot of. Um, yeah, there's a lot of kind of buried emotion that is let out when when lots of other people are doing it because it feels safe. Mm. I suppose yeah. that's as much as like uh, you know for the singer on on the stage. That's why it's that communal thing of live music, isn't it? Because you do mm. get to go and um, mm. and sing back and all sing together, and you don't have to worry about yeah. your voice because it's hidden in amongst other yeah. voices. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really it's really important for us. I think we're quite. The more I think about it, we're pretty repressed, aren't we, as like a bunch, a oh bunch of people? We really are. I think particularly in this country. And I see, but I, because I talk, I've toured a lot um, over the past few years and, um, and, you know, places like Mexico or Italy or places where actually they're, they're quite football, football focused, aren't they, those countries? But there's a lot of, there's a lot of expression and passion and, and they don't seem as repressed as we do in the UK. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's got to be yeah. a, in some ways like a, a contributing factor to people's like well-being, you know, mental well-being is that, you know, yeah. being able to just like let go. And, and like I said, yeah. kid, kids do it without thinking and, you know, have these big displays of emotion and then switch it back yeah. off. You know, my kids yeah. will have like a complete meltdown and they're like, 30 seconds later, everyone's friends again. And you think like... How old are your oh, kids? Uh, seven and six. Oh, uh, wow. So it's like, yeah, I think I, I look at that. And I, think, I wish I could do that. You know, I wish I could just like let it <laughs> out and then switch, switch the tap off again. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those, I suppose, isn't it? I yeah. know. It would be so nice, wouldn't it? Mm, to, not it get, really to not get a strange look like, oh, what's wrong? With I suppose yeah. there are people that do let it out. And then, you know, people that haven't learned how to to kind of, to, you know, to, to turn the tap off and it just keeps going and it keeps going. And that's why you get people that end up, you know, doing yeah. mad things because they no. haven't got a control on their anger. Yeah. It comes out uh, if we can't, I suppose, can't process it and, and channel it. It comes out inappropriate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, it does. That's right. I that's like right. that. Um, there's an analogy. I think it's Mark Manson in one of his books. He says it's like pushing a, um, like a beach ball under the water when you're on holiday and you push it down, it like pings up somewhere else, you know? And uh, yeah. yeah, that's how it is. If, true. We can't, if we don't have that, that you know, that outlet of, of whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah. there you go. So yeah, you know, like chatting about um, kids and stuff, mate. And I was really interested to ask about, um, about mental health. And if we're going to talk a little bit about postnatal depression today and your experiences of that, yeah. Um, but had yeah. you had any sort of run-ins with any sort of mental health stuff before then, or was that your first experience? I yeah, I think I'd, I think I've always struggled. I wouldn't say with depression that much, but mainly with anxiety. From quite early on, um, I remember as a child just dreading stuff and oh, sorry, my laptop keeps falling off my lap, um, and always wanting reassurance from 
my parents and and struggling with trusting my own ability and my own judgment and I think that mentality still it kept cropping up in the early days of motherhood and still now and I think that's a common thing that goes on in, in my brain um, but I, yeah I've had years of dealing with mental health you know issues and I've had therapy I've never been scared to to ask for help and um and I think that there's a liberation when you when you decide that you can share your problems with someone else who's not going to judge you and I've had different types of therapy I've had um I've had CBT which I didn't actually find that for me I didn't find as beneficial as more kind of person-centered counseling or more of the psychotherapy based counseling I found that more helpful but um yeah I, I I've definitely I've definitely struggled with depression and anxiety mainly at the points of my life where there's been a big change so whether it's a breakup of a relationship or death of a family member or when I became a mum and it's something it's it's almost like I have to mourn the end of something and then work out how I'm going to navigate this new thing. And I feel like I don't know how to do it myself. That's yeah. basically what it is. That's such a lovely way to put it. That makes so much sense to me, you know, so much, yeah. uh, so much. It's that whole thing. Like, you know, um, is it a breakdown or a breakthrough? It almost feels like that sometimes. Right. Um, yeah. But a lot of these things that happen to us in our lives is um, society because they're normalized by society. Like, becoming a parent it's a classic example is you know that's kind of what loads of people do um but it's not really the the change and the impact that it has because it's normalized is not really kind of we're not given the time to absorb it right so it's just mm. like oh you know it's, everyone's focusing on that oh yeah go and buy a cart and go and get all this ready stuff and get everything prepped and we get caught up in that and there's not really any focus on the size of the shift of everything of life of identity of everything and you know if there's yeah. anything that's going to kind of uh yeah knock things off center then becoming a parent will do it right Oof. i mean I've, I, there's nothing like it and i think the thing that shocked me most was the fact that for most of my life i've been a very kind of gushy sentimental maternal you know i'd see other people's kids and i'd just be like oh my god they're so cute and like i just love animals and like puppies and i'm just i'm just one of those people that's just like oh about everything that's cute and anything that i can look after and everything anything that i could nurture i'm a very nurturing person and when i had my daughter i was so terrified i didn't know how to access that god you're really <laughs> tapping into something to me today I'm feeling a bit emotional about it, but yeah, I felt like it wasn't um, easy for me to access. And that scared me because it was always second nature to just want to look after a baby. I mean, I used to crave like having a baby. And, you know, I'd, by that point, I'd been with my husband for, uh, what, 17 or 18 years. So, you know, I was with someone I loved and tr trusted and, um, uh yeah it just felt very 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 weird yeah to, to 
yeah to not know how to navigate that yeah yeah very much so it's um yeah well you don't you don't really get much chance to even start to navigate it it all happens no so quick, one minute you're in a hospital and the next minute you're home. And I remember bringing my son home. And so like, I've had a lot of problems with my mental health over the years. And mine were kind of, um, a big trigger for me was becoming a, becoming a dad, you know, that was kind of what set off this chain of events for me. And, um, yeah, and I remember coming home and putting the car seat on the rug and me and my wife just kind of looking at each other and looking at this, you know, I, I remember in a hospital when they say you can go home, I was like, what, we can go home. And they were like, yeah, so, but. I don't know what to do. Like, you know, like I, know, I had to do a test I before I drove my car and you're giving me a person. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't I know, know what I to know. do. And you just, know. just, you start off on the, on the back foot and then it's like trying to jump onto a moving bike, isn't it? it, it yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. And you're responsible for that bike being safe and not crashing <laughs> and finding a route that is going to make them live their best life and make them feel like they can be content in their own skin for the rest of their life. And I feel like, and this is the thing that triggers my anxiety now as a parent, is that I constantly am second, guess, second guessing, am I saying the right thing? Am I approaching this in the right way? Have I, have I given her the best advice? Have I dealt with that tantrum in the right way? Have I, you know, and at the moment we're ha the, the sort of the main issue we're having is getting her to nursery. She's got this big block about going to nursery. Um, and I think because both my husband and I, uh, my husband's the other singer in Wonder 45, by the way. So we're both singers. So we both, you know, have a lot of time away, but a lot of time together at home. And, and I think that it's so lovely to have that family unit. But then when you go away, it's such a big shift. So that I think has potentially made my daughter feel like a bit all over the place, but that's our life and our lifestyle. And there's nothing I can do about it other than stop, but that's my identity. And so when you, and so that's the other thing about becoming a parent is your identity completely changes. And that was the other thing that, that kind of threw me. Um, and because she was born during COVID, but during the second lockdown, there wasn't, the live music scene wasn't there mm. so there was nothing to do apart from immerse myself in motherhood and i didn't know how to do it and i wanted to be like the best mother there was and i didn't know how to do it and it just made me feel like i was failing every day yeah and uh yeah it's really tough it was really yeah. tough yeah definitely i think so many people are gonna relate to that you know that wanting everything to be perfect and in reality like i've i've talked about my um you know my kids and me being a parent in therapy for for years now and like the biggest learning for me is that getting it perfect is that's that's a negative thing in itself right because if you create this perfect environment and that's not how the world works and you know like you know, I remember my therapist saying to me, you know, your kids need to see sometimes daddy loses his shit, you know, and, and afterwards uh, he comes down and says, sorry, you know, I shouldn't have behaved like that. And sometimes it is their fault. And that's fucking important to acknowledge as well. Yes, you know, like, that's true. you know, like, it, you know, they're not perfect either. And we're all in it. Yeah. We're all in it together. Yeah. Just trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> uh, uh, Do you kind of, did you know at that time, did you, um, did you feel the impact on your mental health? Because I always think if you kind of, if you Google like the classic symptoms of uh, depression, um, they are also, that list you will get is very similar to if you like 
talk to someone about what it's like to have a newborn in the house. You know, like th there's a lot of yes. crossover. I didn't know I was ill for ages. I mean, I think, I think that initially I thought I've got the baby blues, which they say, oh, it last can last about a week because I couldn't stop crying. And then it lasted much longer than that. And then we all got COVID. So then I got long COVID and that impacted me a lot. So she was a month old and then we got COVID. And um, so that on top of the exhaustion, and then I had, I had um, insomnia and I mean, it was just a nightmare, but it also really impacted my husband. And I think there isn't enough, there isn't enough information or there isn't enough um, said about the impact of, of, of a child on, on a man or the, your other partner or just the other person who is the, the, who's supporting you. And, you know, for, for, for Gavin, my husband, I would imagine that he suffered from depression exactly how I did, but he didn't feel like he could, there weren't many men talking about it. So he didn't talk to anyone. He just sat depressed. We both were just depressed because we just felt so alone and so unsupported and just didn't know what to do. Like you said, there's no, people do write books about, oh, you should put them on a routine and blah, blah, blah. But that made it worse, to be honest, because I thought, well, I, I'm trying to follow this and it's not working and I, it, this isn't me. Mm, so yeah, again, so. I'm not, I'm not, I'm second guessing my own, my own natural uh, parenting here. I'm thinking someone else knows better than me. Yeah, that's so it. I'm that instinct. Dumbing, isn't I'm it? dumbing myself down. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's the, there's too many books. That's the bloody problem. And if you read ten of them, it'll tell you ten things, and like none of them work. And then like know. you know, I used to blame myself. Then I'd be like, well, this book says this will fix it, and it doesn't. So it must be me. I must be getting this wrong because the book says it's fine. Everyone else read the book said it was fucking fine, and now I'm reading the book and I keep fucking it up. So what's going on with me? You know, I there know. was like this whole <laughs> this whole thing you get. You get yeah. stuck in, yeah. How yeah. did you, I mean, that sounds like such a tough, tough time, mate. How did you start to get yeah. out of that? I, I went back to my old therapist who I hadn't spoken to for quite a few years. That was the first kind of light. And then she suggested that I go and reach out to my mother-in-law who lives nearby and ask her for help and ask if she would look after her a couple of days a week and which sounds so obvious right but to me when i was so wrapped up in my own fog i felt like i was the only person who could look after my daughter and keep her safe so by reaching out to someone else i'm trusting someone else to bring up my child in a way that i think is acceptable or that i think is safe or that i think is gonna is gonna make her feel you know, good about herself and all those kind of things. And I was probably overthinking it. You know, at that point, she was probably about eight months or something, six months. So when I reached out to her and then she started to look after her a couple of days and I was having the therapy and I started to do some stuff in the studio and I started to go back to work. I did a few bits with Noel and that was, that was the first, that was the first sort of glimmer when I thought, oh, okay. All right. I'm starting to feel like my old self a little bit here. And that, yeah, that was the moment then, but it, you know, it took time, obviously, mm. but definitely reaching out to my therapist was the first, the first thing. Yeah. I always think where anything 
around mental health and parenting, it adds a, a different layer when it comes to reaching out. Because if you're not well, asking for help is really hard anyway. But when it's around parenting, you feel, and it's not true at all, but you feel because a poorly brain lies to us, right? That's what, you know, that's what it does. But you feel like it's, you're, you're not asking for help with your mental health. You're admitting that you're a rubbish parent. That's how I felt, right? So yeah. it's like, if I ask for help, that's a reflection on my ability to do this thing. And I don't want anyone to know that I can't do it because I think I can maybe figure it out. So there's that whole extra layer of shame when it revolves Absolutely. around parent. And, you know, we- Absolutely. Societal I think that's pressure. what I struggle with, yeah. Yeah, is is a lot of shame. A lot of like, well, yeah, like you say, well, you're not good enough parent, you know, looking down on me, well, you know, I think, and I think there's an old school mentality of like, oh, you just get on with it. Just shut up and get on with it. And I just can't shut up and get on with it. I find it really hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, all those like old stoic, you know, yeah, shut up and get on with it. I mean, you know, that might've been applicable in the forties when they were also at war. Then <laughs> maybe you didn't yes, have to shut exactly. up and get on with it. Yeah. It's, it's not really the case now, right? Like we kind of, you know, we have very, you know, luckily we have very little to kind of worry about on that front, you know, for now, yeah. <laughs> the way the world's yes. going, right? But well, um, yeah. Yeah, but it's different, isn't it? Like it doesn't apply those that sort of mentality. But it, it's no. funny how that seeps into us and we use it against ourselves. No one ever said to yeah. me, said it to me. I just took that mantle on myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tricky. Yeah. Huh? No, it's it's very it's a very tricky it's a very tricky thing to 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 navigate. Yeah. Every day and every day it changes. There's some yeah. new thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How yeah. did um you know, getting back to singing and going back to work. I mean, that's yeah. a whole new challenge then of being a mum in the music industry. It's like taking your your old identity, your new identity, and figuring out how to make them work together. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, how did, have you? Is that a case of learning on the job, or like how have you figured all that out? Uh, yeah, I think it is a bit of that, but also, I mean, again, I'm so lucky because my husband is so amazing, and he has just dedicated so much of himself to being this amazing dad to her and you know he's taken her on tour when i've been on tour he's brought her around america and just so that she could see me otherwise i would have left her for seven weeks and also having a very um strong set of friends on tour with noel and his whole management team and everything they're very understanding um and yeah i think one of the benefits of being on tour, even if it's just like a week or something, is having that time to sort of find your old self, get back to that old pattern, whether it's self-care or whatever it is, even chatting to friends. Cause I don't, I'm, I'm so all over the place in my brain as a parent and trying to, you know, trying to work and do all the other things that I find it hard personally to then take even 15 minutes to call up a friend and chat. I just sort of think, oh, I'll do it later. And then later on, I'm exhausted. Um, whether I've got ADHD or something, I don't know. But it's just my brain is just like all the time. So when I go on tour, it kind of helps to, it calms that down a bit. And I'm following someone else's pattern. So this is what we're doing. This is the week. This is where we're gigging. This is when we're rehearsing. These, this is where we're staying. And this is when you have to be there. And I, and I really function well when I've got a structure laid out for me. 
I've always been like that, which is why motherhood, I think, freaked me out so much because I had to figure out my own way. But it's incredible. It's also incredibly empowering because somehow I've brought up a three year old. She's three now. And we've done that together, my husband and I, and somehow she's here and she's all right. You know, it's mental. Yeah. It's really mad. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's possible being, it's possible being a mother in the music industry and it's amazing, but it's impossible if you don't have a support network. Yeah. Basically I would say, yeah. or unless you're, you're working with the most unbelievably generous, open-minded person who would say, right, no, it's fine. You can bring that child on tour. They can be with you the whole time. Like no one would do that because you know, it would get in the way. Mm. So it's very, very hard. You've got to have a, a very, a very, um, supportive, trustworthy support network around you. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It sounds like it. it sounds like a real, um, real tough thing, but I suppose that being able to go and, and embrace that side of yourself, you know, the quote unquote, the old you, and then come back. Yeah. That helps, yeah. you know, that helps with being a mum then, doesn't it? Cause you get that little top up and then you kind of get to exactly. do the other stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it is beneficial. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, fair play. I know, I know we're, yeah. we're a little, uh, little push for time today mate but just just to kind of like start that's to all right no no take, it's fine. take us home um i wanted to ask you about uh being in noel gallagher's band as well i was a yes. i was a teenager in the 90s so you know i'm kind of all about all that the the those tunes and um you know a lot of dodgy haircuts and jacket choices have been <laughs> yes. responsible for for me over the years <laughs> but how did you come to be uh to be working with noel jeff i was lucky enough to be working with um a guy called paul stacy who is one of noel's friends and kind of musical collaborators engineer producer mixer and he'd worked with noel for years and i was working with him with a different in a different band and one day we were having a cup of tea having a tea break and he said do you know noel's looking for a girl to join his band and i told him about you do you think you'd be up for it and I basically spat out my tea because I thought, what? Noel's going to get a girl for his band. Like Oasis is always like so kind of masculine and, and, uh, and high flying birds, you know, I didn't even think about him getting a, a girl to join his band. So anyway, I said that I'd be up for it. And then I got an email from Noel saying, do you want to meet me? And let's sort of, sort of let's meet and then discuss things further if you're up for it. And we got on really well. And then he just sort of said, do you want to come to America? And that was it. Job done. <laughs> that was it. Literally, that was yeah. it. I couldn't believe it. And uh, yeah, that was in, when was that? That would have been, I would say August, 2017, I think, or maybe, yeah. Either the end of 2016 or the beginning of 2017. But yeah, mm. a while ago. Yeah, that's um, that's really cool. Eh? I kind of think that if, if you do anything creative, you work in the arts in any way, shape or form. If you can yeah. do that as a job, you're winning, right? That's like, that's success. But oh, then yeah. there is another level to that. And then when you're sort of singing those songs with Noel Gallagher, then suddenly that's, <laughs> we're talking stadiums and, you know, that's a, that's a big 
big deal. Was <laughs> I know, that a? I know. You know. That must have been a. Was that a shock to the system? You know, walking out at oh, Glastonbury and all that stuff. One hundred percent. I mean, I I just think that it's very odd. You sort of never get over seeing that kind of that sight of so many people watching the stage that you're on. And my family, we were all Oasis, Oasis supporters, Oasis fans. My brother was a massive Oasis fan. So I grew up listening to a lot of the tunes, obviously. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I still pinch myself a hundred percent. And I feel unbelievably grateful every day that I get to work in that environment with him. And I know that it's in a way it sort of feels like winning some weird lottery because there's thousands and thousands of singers out there, amazing singers out there. But for some reason, I ended up getting the gig. And so I'm under no illusion that I'm very, very blessed to have been put in that position, no doubt. Um, and, you know, he's one of the greatest songwriters ever. So, it's, yeah, it's mad. Not, not bad for a day at the office, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> no, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> luck is a funny thing, right? Because, yeah, of course, it's really important to acknowledge when we've had a bit of luck, but also it's no coincidence that the harder you work, the more you luck you get, right? It's no coincidence at all. It's true. So it's, it's also it's, important it's true. to, you know, and yes, there are a lot of singers out there, but, you know, they obviously can't sing like yeah. you. Yeah. So there you go. It's got to be well, the I mean, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think there's quite a lot of... Um, I was thinking this the other day, what is it that, what is it that creates luck or success or, you know, what is luck or, I think it's having the, it's having the patience and matching that up with skill and being, being nice and being, and being, uh, what's the word, prepared. It's all kinds of things lining up, but I think not allowing the failure of one thing to dictate how you're going to approach the next thing or not give up on it and just think, well, okay, this hasn't worked. Okay, fine. Something else will work, but just never to give up on it. And I know that's a really cliche thing. I'll never give up on your dreams, but it's actually true just to keep, keep going at whatever it is that you want to do, because eventually something will break something will happen if you throw enough shit at the wall some of it's got to stick it's and it's true and you'll find your you could spend years trying to find what it is that you want to do but sometimes it's right it's just right sort of staring you in the face you know yeah yeah um or it could be with a person that you've known for years that you feel comfortable with and you want to work with them it's all kinds of things just you know, it's, it is kind of the stars aligning, but you've got to have everything else in place for them to, once they align, for mm. it to flow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You can only be in the right place at the right time <laughs> if you keep, like, putting yourself in places, right? It's uh, Exactly, yeah, exactly. That, that's always an interesting thing to me, how people deal with um deal with rejection and deal with the the knockbacks if you're like a you know a, a creative person and you know uh, you have to be a, have a certain amount of like in touch with your with with yourself right and your emotions yeah. and have mm -hmm. vulnerability mm -hmm. around that to be able to express mm -hmm. everything through through your art 
but yeah yeah that sensitivity means you can do certain things but it also means that sometimes it really fucking sucks when you get like a oh my no god a failure like oh my like... god i mean it's fucking horrible when you get some kind of horrible rejecting email saying you know oh we think your music's good but you know it's just not right for us or i don't know like you know when you get dropped or when you don't you know somebody doesn't want to work with you anymore it's horrible it's so horrible but i think i i there was always something in me somewhere even like really sort of hidden that every time there was a rejection i sort of felt like it was still glimmering inside you know it's like well that's all right because something else will work out I just had this thing always something else will work out something else will work out and even in the midst of me feeling so rubbish i just kept holding on to this no it'll be all right it'll be all right you're good you know you're good at what you do just keep doing it yeah yeah if you know deep down uh, um, my therapist said to me once that like compliments only compliments only i don't know work i can't remember how she phrased it but you have to believe it to be true for a compliment to be land to to land with you right and to to deep down know to have that belief in what you're doing because there's loads of people who say that they're good and they're not they're shit particularly in music yeah like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we've all seen that band in a pub but the, you know but to know <laughs> to know deep down in your you know in your heart that you know you've you've found your thing then yeah just yeah 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 and it's and it's it's an amazing thing when you find that, you know, and I think with this Wonder 45 stuff and working with Noel, I really feel like I've found um, what fits with me most because I've tried, I've, you know, I've been, I've, I was trying to be an artist years and years ago, working with different people, writing with different people, different styles. And because, you know, because I, I can sing quite a lot of styles. I don't mean that to sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, but it's actually, it was a, always a bit of a hindrance because I thought, well, I like singing rock. I like singing pop. I like singing soul, you know, but I'm just writing all these different kinds of sounds and I'm not sure what I want to be or who I want to be. But I was always naturally really, I found it always quite easy to sing soul, soul music, but it was always a bit kind of, it wasn't the thing or it wasn't, it didn't feel authentic or whatever. But um, yeah, it's, in, it's just interesting how it all sort of comes together eventually, but it was always there. You know, yeah. if I just trusted my instinct and thought, oh, you sing soul music really well, maybe you should work with someone on some soul music, then maybe I would have done that. But now is a good time. It just seems to have worked out that way. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. so. It it is it is what it is. Draw that you know, trust the universe, right? And and that's it. And, and figure it out. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Exactly. Exactly. Mate, what's um what's coming up with Wonder Forty Five? Is the singles going to lead to an album, or where where are you at with that? Yeah, yeah. We, so we've got another single coming out. Uh, I think in about two or three weeks, um, and that one will be Gavin, my husband, singing on that one, and then we've got um. An album's coming out, I think, in May. And we've got a gig in London on the 29th of Jan. So is that next, is that next week? Week after? Yeah. Two weeks? Yeah, ish. Yeah. Something like that. Like um, that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's at a place called the 606 Club in London. And then um, I think we've got another gig in Luton on the 1st of March at a place called the Bear Club. 
um, and some possible festivals coming up in the summer. So, yeah, there's there's a, there's stuff kind of bubbling. Yeah, yeah, exciting times, huh? Exciting times. Yeah. yeah, and then I'm also back with Noel for festivals and some um, some other shows, so that's really exciting as well. Yeah, busy summer. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be busy. Oh, mate. Well, that's yeah. Lo I, yeah, very much uh, looking forward to that album. Yeah, that was amazing. Oh, thank you so much for chatting today, Jess. I really appreciate it. It was lovely to uh, lovely to meet. Oh, you. it was so lovely to chat to you. Thank you. A big up to the proper mental podcast. The proper mental podcast. <laughs>